Heavenly Father, we just thank you for bringing us into your house this morning. We thank you, O God, because you're a God that is alive. And this morning you have brought your people here. Lord, the church is yours, the people are yours, and the pulpit is yours. So this morning I pray that you would speak to your people. I pray you would open their hearts. I pray that you would hear, they would hear from you this morning. I pray that, Lord, you would give them a word this morning, a word to sustain them, a word to bring them through their trials and their sufferings, a word to confirm them in their faith, O oh God, O oh Father, a word to deliver, a word to heal, a word, O oh God, that will, Lord, O oh Father, remove every darkness, bind everything, that's binding them break every chain of our this morning I pray that Lord you would give them a word and Lord I pray that Lord every spirit that comes against the word of God this morning I cast it out in the name of Jesus and we promise to give you the glory honor and praise in Jesus name we pray amen you may be seated Good morning, church. This morning, I would like to turn your attention to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, verses 20 to 37. It's a long scripture, but if you haven't caught up on your Bible reading this week, I'm going to catch you up this week. But for Luke 17, verses 20 to 37, if you can read that. So Luke chapter 17 starts off, 
is Jesus talking to the Pharisees. And he's talking to the Pharisees. He's talking about the kingdom of God. And he says the kingdom of God is here. And later on he said the kingdom of God is coming. So we understand when we study the scripture that the kingdom of God is here. It means that Jesus has come down to the earth. But then he's talking about also the end times. When Jesus comes again and the sky split open and Jesus comes for the second time. And he talks about Noah and he talks about Sodom and he talks about some, uh, Gomorrah. And in between 20 and 37, Jesus drops three words that seems, uh, uh, seems uh, um, out of place. It seems like it's coming from left field. He drops three words in this whole discussion about the end times and about how the kingdom of God is here. I want you to read, brother, again, Luke 17, verse 32. What is those three words? Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. Now, if you look back, why did Jesus say remember Lot's wife? There are so many things that Jesus says to remember, but he's talking about the end times. He's talking about when he's coming again. In the midst of that, he says, remember Lot's wife. What is there so much to remember about Lot's wife? Now, verse 32 could be the second shortest verse in the Bible, because we know what the first verse is, Jesus wept. And it says there, remember Lot's wife. There's not a lot of real estate in the red letters of Jesus, yet Jesus gives us three words to remember. Remember Lot's wife. Did you know that there are 170 women mentioned in the Bible? There are 170. And out of all those women, there's only one woman that Jesus tells, one person Jesus tells us to remember. Jesus tells us to remember Lot's wife. Now, I was wondering, if I was one of the 170 women in the Bible, I would be a little annoyed. I would be a little insulted. Because I would say, hmm, if I was Eve, I would say, well, I was the first woman. I came from a rib. I'm still blamed for all the issues in the world. If I was Sarah, I would say, listen, I delivered a child at the age of 90 without an epidural. And I could say, if I was Miriam, I would say I was the first woman worship leader. When the children of Israel left Egypt, they came to the Red Sea and God split the Red Sea. Bible says that Miriam took up a tamarind and danced and worshiped before the Lord. I was the first worship leader. Why don't I get remembered? Or it could be, I could be saying, what if I was Ruth? I was a Moabite. I was an outsider. Yet, I became in the lineage of Jesus Christ. I should be remembered. And then we talk about Ruth. I'm sorry, we talk about Esther. I was a queen. I should be remembered. And we can go on and on. We can talk about Hannah. We can talk about Priscilla. We can talk about Elizabeth. But I want to mention one more name. I said, I could be Mary. I was the mother of Jesus. I gave you birth in a manger. Surely I should be remembered. But Jesus doesn't say remember all those people. Jesus says one thing. Remember Lot's 
wife. For a woman that appears in scripture on the pages of scripture just quick enough to forget her, we don't even know her name. Yet God wants us to remember. So what is there for us to remember about Lot's wife? She only appears twice in the whole Bible. Twice. Once in the Old Testament and once in the New Testament. Yet Jesus says, I want you to remember Lot's wife. So let's go to Genesis chapter 13. Let's look at Lot's wife. Let's look at why Jesus wants us to remember Lot's wife. We'll start off in Genesis chapter 13. If you can read Genesis chapter 13, verses 10 to 13. That's good. So we see that Lot and Abraham decide to split. They split up because their herd and their families were so big that the land could not sustain them. And so Abraham gives Lot the choice. You go first. You go pick wherever you pick. I will go the opposite way. And the Bible says that he looked for the most greenest area. And he looked for the most fertile area. And he found a place only reason only thing was he found a place very close to Sodom and look what it says about Sodom even back then before the Lord destroyed it what does it say about it what does it say about Sodom the men of Sodom were what they were wicked and evil so even before Lot was thinking of moving there the Bible says they were wicked and sound. Yet, that did not stop. That did not deter Lot. He still went and stayed there and put up camp right outside of Sodom. Right there. But you know what also that jumped out at me when I looked at that verse? It reminded him of what? What did it remind him of? What does it remind What does it say there? What did that land remind him of? It's an area. What did it remind him of? What, what did that land remind him of? It reminded him of Egypt. Egypt. When you look through the Bible, Egypt speaks of the world. Egypt speaks of our flesh. And so Lot here saw this land and it reminded him of Egypt. But still, that did not stop Lot from going. And so he goes there and pitches his tent. And the next verse we see is the commandment that the angels are giving to Lot, his wife, and his two daughters. Can you read Genesis 19, verse 17? Genesis 19, verse 17. So he gives them two commands. What's the two commands he gives them? What's the first one he says? Run! Escape! 
get away from here. I want you to run fast as you can away from here. What's the second command he gives them? Don't look back. Those are the only two commands that the angel gave the family. Don't look back and run as fast as you can. And then we come to the scripture. It talks about Lot's wife. The only scripture in the Old Testament. Can you read Genesis 19 verse 26? So here's a scripture that God tells us out of the 170 women, I want you to remember Lot's wife. And what did she do? She looked back and became a pillar of salt. So I started thinking, God, I, I don't get it. What is there to remember? There are so many important people that I can think about to remember in the Bible. And Bible gives us so many verses about them. Yet for this one person, I don't have much detail. I don't have much history. I don't have anything much to know about this person. We don't even know her name. Yet God is telling us to remind, remember Lot's wife. So I started thinking, she became a pillar of salt. Why? And I'll give you five, six, yeah, five reasons she became a pillar of salt. Number one, she became a pillar of salt because she was torn between where God was taking her and what she was leaving behind. Wow. She was torn because God was taking her to a place and what she was leaving behind. She thought what she was leaving behind was more important than where she was going, where God was taking her. Number two, she was prioritizing her past over her future. I know some of us, we do that. We prioritize our past, things that happened in the past, more than where God wants to take us, where God wants to bring us to, the future. Number three, she lost sight of the fact that the promise of God, the purpose of God, the provision of God was ahead of her. And she was stuck in a place here where she was only meant to be passing through. She was not meant to be stuck there. She was only passing through. Yeah, but she got stuck. She got stuck because she lost sight of the promise and the purpose and the provision of God. Number four, she was being pulled back by what she was leaving more than what's pressing her, more than what was pressing her to where God was taking her. She was being held back. There are so many things that she saw inside of that she liked and she enjoyed and those things were holding her back to where God was pushing her to go and pressing her to go. So what happened? She became stuck, calcified into a pillar of salt, turned into a pillar of salt. Now we are called to be the salt of the earth. And in many places, the purpose of God and the provision of God and the promise of God is ahead. But we are stuck in the past, looking at the things of the past because our eyes are not fixed on Jesus. But we're looking at the things behind us. So Jesus says, remember Lot's wife. For many of us, our attachments to the past outweigh our commitments to the future. So what are we stuck in? What are some of the things that we stuck in? 
We're stuck in disappointment. We're stuck in discouragement. We're stuck in offense. We're stuck in bitterness. We're stuck in unforgiveness. We're stuck in disillusionment. We're stuck and fixated on what went wrong in the past. We're fixated on what we lost in the past. We're fixated on who betrayed us, who disappointed us, who hurt us, and what happened in the past. We're fixated on something we're supposed to be facing instead of, I'm sorry, we're fixated on something that we are to face instead of moving on to the future. When you get fixated instead of face, facing something, you get stuck. And we need to remember Lot's wife, as Jesus said. For Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But the issue is, have we let go of the hand of Jesus? Lot's wife was stuck in a place where she was only meant to be passing through. She got stuck. And so many of us, we get stuck in places thinking about the past and thinking about who hurt us and who offended us and, who, and, who, um, and what discouragements we had and what things we missed out on. And we get stuck. We get stuck like the disciples in Luke chapter 24 who were on their way to Emmaus. They had just seen Jesus die and buried, but they didn't know he rose again. They knew he was a Messiah, and they're on their way to Emmaus. And they, as they were talking, they did not even realize that Jesus was walking with them. God incarnate walking with them, and they did not recognize him. Because of their disappointment, because of their discouragement, because of their disillusionment, they were overwhelmed but they didn't realize that God was walking with them. They didn't even recognize him. And so what does it say? Luke 24, 21. Luke 24, 21. Luke 24, verse 21. That's good. We were what? We were hoping. We were hoping. We were hoping. We were hoping that our business would turn out successful. We were hoping that that marriage would work out. We were hoping that person was not going to die. We were hoping that kid was going to get saved. We were hoping that promotion was going to come. We were hoping that opportunity was going to come through. So what happens? So now we're disappointed. We're offended with God because he didn't do what we wanted him to do. We're disappointed and offended with God because he didn't come through for us. But Jesus is standing right there next to us. I didn't go anywhere. I'm still here. I am right here with you in the midst of things. And so the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19 Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19 
So I'm going to read it in the NLT. This hope is strong and trustworthy anchor for our soul. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. The writer of Hebrews says that Jesus is our hope. That Jesus is our anchor. He is strong and trustworthy. And so what does the writer of Hebrews says? He says also something else. Hebrews 10.23. Hebrews 10.23. What did he say there? So he says, hold fast. Hold fast to what? Hold fast to that hope that you have. Hold fast so that you don't waver. Let us hold on to our hope without wavering. If Jesus is truly the anchor, then your hope does not waver when everything in this world is wavering. If everything in the world is wavering, and if you and I can, are anchored to Jesus, we won't waver. So I started looking at an anchor. When you look at an anchor, right, it's big, it's heavy, and it's tied to these big chains. But when you throw an anchor off a ship or a boat or a yacht, right, the anchor goes down into the bed of the sea and it holds on to the bed of the sea. So that whatever happens, whatever it's attached to, that boat, the ship, the, the yacht, whatever it's attached to, it holds that boat and no matter what the winds and the storms are. But our anchor is different. Our anchor does not go down into the bed of sea. Our anchor goes up. It goes up into the heavens. It goes to the other side of eternity. And our anchor is Jesus. And if you and I hold on to Jesus, my Bible says he never fails. Our earthly anchor might fail. When the forces outweigh the, the load of that anchor, the anchor tends to fail. But the Bible says Jesus never fails. So all I have to do is to hold on to Jesus so I don't fail. You and I need to not get stuck, but we need to move on. We need to move forward, turning from a pillar of salt. The salt that we're supposed to be is the light of the world, but yet now we're stuck in this place because we're stuck in a place we're only supposed to be passing through. So the writer of Hebrews is writing to the Jewish Christians who have gone through so much persecution. They lost so much. They lost their families, they lost their assets, they lost their, 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 their jobs, and they're being tossed to and fro. And now they come to a point where they're thinking, you know what, it's easier if we go back. It's easier if we go back into Judaism. We don't have to face this hardship. We'll be accepted again. And so the writer of Hebrews is telling them in Hebrews chapter two, let's read Hebrews chapter two, verse one. He says, he begins the verse by saying, therefore. Therefore, therefore what? 
He had just talked about the supremacy of Christ. He talked about the sufficiency of Christ. He reminded them that Jesus is better than the law. He reminded them that Jesus is better than the prophets. He reminded them that Jesus is better than Moses. He reminded them that Jesus is better than the angels. He reminded them that Jesus is the greatest of all. He reminded that Jesus is better than anything that you left behind. He's better than anything you can think, smell, touch, taste, feel, because he's supreme over the angels, over law, over prophets, over Moses. And so he tells them, pay close attention. I want you to hold on lest you drift away. Lest you drift away. Do you know when you put your sight, or when you, when you, when you, you, when you lose your sight, I'm sorry, when, when you start to waver and get stuck, you lose sight of your hope you go back to the things you came for, you came from. If you're not moving forward with Jesus, you'll go back to what you came from. When you start to waver and get stuck, you lose sight of your hope. Are we losing sight of our hope? And when we lose sight of our hope, what happens? We start to go back. Go back to what? Go back to where we came from, the things that we left behind, the things we got out of, the things that we got out of to come on into Christianity. We start going to our old ways, our old path, into the world we start going because we lost our hope. And he tells them, I want you to pay, what, attention, Right? He says, pay close attention. I like the way it says in the NLT. I'm just reading it. In the NLT, it says, be very careful. Be extra careful. So the Holy Spirit's reminding us, be extra careful lest you drift. Be careful so you don't drift. You know, it's so easy for us to drift. You don't have to do anything to drift. You don't have to do anything to drift. You don't have to do, if you don't commit any great sin, you just don't do nothing, you will start to drift. You don't want to go to church. You don't want to read your Bible. You don't want to pray. What happens? You're slowly drifting. You're not committing some great sin. No. You're just doing nothing. But as you're doing nothing, you slowly start to drift. You start to drift away from God, away from the things of God. So I wrote down a few things. What causes us to drift? What are some of the causes? How can we tell if we're drifting? How can we tell? So let me give you eight pointers on how we can tell we're drifting. Number one. You know you're drifting if a blue check means more to you than a heart check. If you can be verified by man, it doesn't matter that God already validated you 2,000 years ago. You know you're drifting if it's more important for you to be known than Jesus to be known. You're drifting. You know you're drifting if it's more important for you to have likes than to be like Jesus. You're drifting. 
you know you're drifting if you don't care how many are following you than those that are not following God. You're caring more about who's following you than those who are not following God. You know you're drifting when you care about everyone else's business than the Father's business. Then you know you're drifting. Everyone else's business is very important. But the Father's business, not important at all. You know you're drifting. You're stuck or drifting when you talk about it to everyone else more than you pray about it to God. You're drifting. You have drifted and lost sight and lost, I'm sorry, you have drifted and lost your sense of hope when you will become more important than the will of God in your life. When the will of God is not important, you know you have drifted. When you're trying to get from people what you only can get from God and you wonder why you're stuck, you're drifting. Our hope was always meant to be in Jesus. He hasn't gone anywhere. But we get stuck when we lose sight of the source of our hope, which is God. And so we need to move forward and get close to God. Because church, there is, this is not the end. There is so much more God wants to do with us. There are more people to reach. There are more people to save. There are more people to deliver. There are more people to be healed. There are more marriage to be restored. There are more relations to be reconciled. We cannot get stuck. We cannot look back. We can't go, to go in the past, but we have to press on and press forward. As I come to a close, we have this hope because if you know your source and what your source of hope is, then all your circumstances don't align. You won't crumble or drift because Jesus is that hope that we have. I want to read one more scripture before I close. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. So what do we need to do, church? We need to forget the past. What lies behind us. But it's just not what lies behind us. We need to strain. And maybe today you says, you know what? I haven't been straining lately. I haven't been getting out of my uncomfortable zone lately. But the Bible says we need to strain. We need to press on. We need to press forward. Why? Because Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our rock. Jesus is who we are to look to. The past is not the answer for us. Being stuck and offended about things that happen is not the answer. The answer is Jesus. And Jesus is saying, come forward. Press forward. 
So are we going to press forward? Are we going to exert a force against sin, against ungodliness, against unforgiveness, against bitterness? Are we going to get out of our comfort zone and strain to move forward with God? The Bible says, remember Lot's wife. Don't get stuck in the past. Look forward and press on. May God bless you with